0: Terms and conditions apply.
1: VR training platforms, like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International, are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients.
2: As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop.
1: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex. Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy, and anytime is right to listen to iHeart Radio's iHeart Country Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free.
3: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Mark Ma Show, where we talk about the decentralized revolution. Of course, we talk about the way the world is changing, and of course, we look at it through the lens of politics. Finance and technology—three driving forces. Of course, we look at the convergence of those three things, and I like to bring to you uh, some education, some breaking news, and some uh, some interesting guests. And today, I want to cover some of the latest breaking news stories that I saw this week that caught my eye. That I think you should be up on. That you should be understanding what's going on. Now, we'll start with um, the top. I mean, one of the, out of the three things: politics, finance, technology. The thing that really drives the world, changes the world more than anything else is technology. And of course, we're witnessing the decentralized revolution and we're witnessing the decentralized technology at the same time. And of course, that is Bitcoin. Now, one of the biggest um, drawbacks, or I shouldn't say drawbacks, one of the biggest attack vectors by uh, Bitcoin's opponents is that it uses too much energy. It wastes energy, they say. And so suppose it's a big problem. Now, first of all, Um, it wastes energy. What does that even mean? Well, first of all, um, the amount of total energy that Bitcoin uses is micro in comparison to the amount of energy used in the world. And it's micro compared to the amount of energy used for other things. Like what? Like uh, clothes dryers, for example, use way more energy than the Bitcoin um, blockchain does. And do you really need um, your clothes dried in a machine? Couldn't you just hang them up on a line in your backyard? Um, the servers that power YouTube uses more energy than the Bitcoin mining ecosystem. So it wastes energy supposedly is what they say. Um, but the amount of total amount of energy it uses period is less than lots of other things that I could easily argue would be a waste, but who's to say what is a waste? One's man's trash is another man's treasure. You might find it that you need to go stare out into space for three hours a day, which is a total waste of your time, in my opinion. But for you, it's what keeps you mentally sane. For example, um, and so what is waste? I, the one thing that I would argue potentially could be waste would be creating something that doesn't get used. So what do I mean by that? If I made a bunch of food and nobody ate it, and then I had to throw the food away. You could argue that might be a waste potentially um, because I, I made it and nobody used it. And so if we look at energy in that way, we could also say the same. We look at the total amount of energy being created and then energy being created that's actually not used at all. Now, what do you mean? Why would energy be created but not used? Well, there's lots of power plants along, around the world that create more power than the people drawing on that use. And so there's wasted energy. And that's why places like California have the highest energy prices in the world because we don't create enough energy for the amount of people using it. And we have to import energy. So prices go up supply and demand, right? But then there's areas around the country and around the world where they create more energy than is being used. And so they're trying to sell it for anything they can. While in California I'm paying 40 cents per kilowatt hour, there's places in the world that have it for sale for two or $0.03 because nobody's buying it. So if we looked at the amount of energy being created and not used, I could say that would be a waste. Um, Bitcoin is only using a very small percentage of that energy. It uses the energy that's being created but not used. So it only uses a very micro amount. But on top of that, we saw that there was a major milestone that, that was talked about this week in that uh, Bitcoin mining is fueled by sustainable energy. As a matter of fact, there was a, this article that came out, um, Cambridge Center for Alternative Finance, um, study on Bitcoin's environmental impact. And it says that the sustainable energy use is at least 52 and a half, 52.6% of Bitcoin's mining total energy. So it says that if you care about ESG, um, then you might care that Bitcoin's adoption, um, is all being done on sustainable energy. The Bitcoin Mining Council study found it uses 58.9% of sustainable energy, so almost 60%. Now, for me, I think it's sort of ridiculous. I think this is a, a, the wrong number, wrong data to, to hone in on. However, for those people that for somehow feel that the amount of energy being used um, is, is bad, well, then you can throw out that 60% of it is coming from sustainable uses. Now, the other point that I'd like to point out is, like I said, um, Bitcoin doesn't compete for energy. Bitcoin can't, Bitcoin mining can't work in California because there's too much competition for energy. The price is too high. Bitcoin mining can only work in areas where there's no competition, meaning there's too much power being produced because it needs to have two, three, four cent power. And so, the amount, all of the energy that Bitcoin is being is consuming is using is energy it would go to waste if Bitcoin didn't didn't use it. Now, in regards to Bitcoin mining, we saw that looking at the Bitcoin price, I don't typically like to talk, look at the Bitcoin price. I think the price is the least interesting part. With new technology, we want to look at the growth of the network and the development on the network. I want to talk about two of those those, both of those things, but the growth of the network would be both the amount of users, you know, the new wallets, um, the, the users that are using it, potentially merchants that are uh, accepting it, etc. But we'd also look at the growth of the network, and you can measure the growth of the network through the um, mining capacity, the hash power, and so we can see that the Bitcoin miners, as we are talking about with the energy use. Um, we can see that the Bitcoin miners are actually ha- have been actually outperforming Bitcoin most recently on the price. Part of that's because the Bitcoin miners got so oversold; they sold them off so much, um, and they're bouncing back faster. It's sort of like gold miners versus physical gold. So gold miners typically go up more than physical gold because of the leverage that they employ, and we're seeing sort of the same thing in Bitcoin mining. But what's important. Not so much that it's outperforming Bitcoin, but what I see as important is that the amount of hash rate expansion. So you measure computers by the amount of hash rate they have. And what we can see is that the hash rate has been going up. As a matter of fact, it's up by 129% over the last year which is pretty amazing. That's a massive growth. So the growth of the network, the miners not only support the transactions, but they support the security. And so the more miners that are on the Bitcoin network, the more security it has. And we see that it is going through the roof, um, which is a good thing. Now, I also want to talk about the development on the network because we also want to look at what is being developed on the network. Now, a company that I've been working with, Zion, Zion App, Z-I-O-N, just launched its version two, which uses the Bitcoin network. They launched it using uh, what Jack Dorsey, the founder of Twitter, calls Web 5.0. And so basically, Zion is a new social media app, you can download it now, <laughs> do it now, get your phone out, download the Zion app, and it uses the web five standard, So you can have your own ID, it's called a DID, a decentralized online identity, a DID. And basically, you can uh, have your own ID that has all of your information. But you want that in a place that can't be. Um, hacked or shut down or censored, and so it uses the Bitcoin blockchain, the Bitcoin time chain, to hash or to store that decentralized ID information. You wouldn't want to put that DID into another blockchain like Ethereum or Cardano that could just change the rules and get censored. And so instead, it goes into the Bitcoin. Time chain, where it's censorship resistant. Now uh, Zion, uh, like I said, just launched version two. Check it out. Add me on there. I, I have a community I'm setting up on there right now, um, and there's over sixty thousand people waiting to come on. It's uh, the we, we have uh, funding from Aaron Rodgers from the Green Bay Packers. Tony Robbins is on is is, is now promoting this. Um, you can see on his Twitter he posted this the other day. But basically, what this opens up is the ability for you to own your own community by owning your own ID. So if you've been afraid of, you know, uh, YouTube or Twitter or somebody censoring you with an app like Zion built on top of the Bitcoin blockchain, you don't have to worry about that anymore. And you can move messages and Bitcoin and money around seamlessly. Check it out, Zion. This is a massive development um, on the Bitcoin blockchain. Remember, we're looking at growth of the network and development on the network. If you're just tuned in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the latest breaking news stories this week in the decentralized revolution. I have a whole lot more stories to cover when we come back. I got to take a quick break. I'll we'll be right back with more. You don't want to miss it. So I'll be right back. It's that time of year again, The U.S. Mint is making the new 2024 American Silver Eagle and American Gold Eagle coins, and there's no better time to buy than now. Gold rose 23% in the past 13 months and silver's up 27%. Plus, they're both still climbing. Get the newest gold and silver coins of the year from my trusted friends at Universal Coin and Bullion by calling 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Their company president, Dr. Mike Fulgens, is America's gold expert, and he recently met with financial guru Steve Forbes to discuss trends in Precious metals and both experts agree that gold could hit 2500 an ounce in 2024. That's nearly a 25% gain from today's price per ounce. If you want to make a sound money investment, then add gold and silver to your portfolio now and keep adding as part of your regular investment strategy. Gold's been used as money for over 2500 years. Call Universal Coin and Bullion at 1 800 UCB Gold. That's 1 UCB Gold. Or check out
0: universalcoin.com slash That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply.
1: There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- National craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy and anytime is right to listen to iHeart Radio's iHeart Country Radio discover more shows and movies for free
3: All right welcome back if you're just tuning in you're listening to the Mark Moss show of course we're talking about the decentralized revolution we're running through some of the latest breaking news stories and headlines to keep you up to date so you know what the heck is going on out there in the world you know, I want you to sound like you're really smart and paying attention when you go to those parties over the weekend. And so looking at some of these news headlines, one story that I've been talking about a lot, um, and not just me, it's been all over. If you if you look at alternative news sources, um, you see it being talked about all the time, and that is a CBDC or a central bank digital currency. Now, I've been out here pounding the table on them because they're bad, they're very, very bad. But it's not certain, it's not a foregone conclusion that we're going to have CBDCs. So let me explain. A central bank digital currency um, is very bad because of what it can do. Now, just real quickly, about 80% of all dollar transactions are already done digitally. We already have a digital dollar, in my opinion meaning we use our debit cards, our credit cards, our Venmo, our PayPal, our wire transfers, all of those things. It's already digital. We don't really carry cash around or use cash anymore. At least I don't. Some people still depend on a lot of cash. And so we're already doing all our transactions digitally. A CBDC is no different than the dollar that we have now, meaning it's still a fiat currency, meaning the government can still just create as much as they want. And it's still moved digitally, just like we move our dollars digitally today. The reason why it's so bad is because right now today, the government um, can't really, they can track it. They can get all the data from this. They can subpoena information from the credit card companies and Venmo and things like that. But a CBDC, a central bank digital currency, can be programmed, meaning they can program the set of rules into the money before you even get it. So for example, they give you stimulus. They want you to spend the money to stimulate the economy. So if you don't spend this money by Friday, you lose the money. Um, Like China with a social credit score system, if you say mean things about the government, we take some of your money. If you're not saving enough, we give you positive interest rate. If you're saving too much, if you're hoarding, we have a negative interest rate. Um, you can't, you know, you've you've, you've exceeded your uh, meat allotment or your carbon allotment. And so you cut, you can't buy more meat. You can't buy more gasoline. Uh, you only get two plane trips per year. So you can't buy more plane trips. And so it's programmable in that way. Now, China, of course, being a communist country has already rolled theirs out. And other countries are trying to do the same. However, in the United States, where it seems like it's a foregone conclusion, and people in the United States are already playing the victim card. Like, oh, what can we do? There's nothing we can do. It's not true. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of pushback. Lots of lawmakers in the United States are pushing back against this. Been lots of legislation that has been proposed, and one of them came this week from good old Congressman Tom Emmer. He's a Republican from Minnesota, and this guy is on it. He has put a bunch of bills forward to really stop this down, and basically the bill would effectively put an end to the debate over the creation of a Federal Reserve-issued CBDC. Now, the Federal Reserve can, can, can control monetary policy, can control banking policy. But really, it's the Treasury, the government, that has the ability to make money. So the Fed doesn't have the power to issue money. And and Congressman Tom Emmer has introduced a bill that would prohibit the Federal Reserve from actually issuing a CBDC directly to anyone. The bill is titled the CBDC Anti-Surveillance State Act. And details that, except as specifically authorized under this act, a Federal Reserve Bank may not offer products or services directly to an individual or maintain an account on behalf of that individual or issue a central bank digital currency to an individual. And it goes on further to say that um, that the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve System and the FMOC Committee may not use any central bank digital currency to implement monetary policy. Which is pretty good. Now, uh, he went on, he tweeted out saying that any digital version of the dollar must uphold our American values of privacy, individual sovereignty, and free market competitiveness. Anything less opens the door to the development of a dangerous surveillance tool. So he gets it. He gets it. So we still have lots of good uh, people in the government fighting the fight, trying to uphold, as he said, American values of privacy, individual sovereignty, and free market competitiveness. Now, there's been lots of other representatives that are getting on board with this, of course, mostly Republicans. Uh, Barry Loudermilk, who's a Republican from Georgia, released a statement saying that he was, quote, proud to join forces with Rep Emmer. Uh, we also have Rep Andy Biggs, a Republican from Arizona, on board, explaining that, quote, unelected bureaucrats are driving us to an authoritarian state. That can't happen. And so we, it is not a foregone conclusion. CBDCs are not here and there's still a lot that we can do to push back on them. One of them is, I know you don't want to hear this. It may seem like a waste of your time, but you can call or write your local uh, lawmakers and tell them what you think about this because they do care about getting reelected. They should care what you have to say. And there's lots of people doing a good job. Tell them they're doing a good job. Tell them that they need to get on board with this if that may be the case. Now, also other lawmakers pushing this forward is in Wyoming. The Wyoming legislator passed a bill protecting Bitcoin private keys from courts. So, With cryptocurrency, there's two keys. There's a public key, which is like your public address, like your bank account. I can give you my bank account right now. You can go deposit money in my bank account. That's my public address. It's like a locker. I give you my locker address. You can go slip an envelope in there. But then there's a private key that allows me to open that locker and move the contents. And so Wyoming legislator passed a bill protecting the private key from courts. It says that the state of Wyoming has passed a bill that protects its citizens from having to disclose their private keys um, it just needs to be signed by the Governor now, so it's already been approved by the state, Senate and the House of Representatives. It's waiting to be uh, signed by the Governor, so if you're in uh, Wyoming, you should reach out to the Governor's office and, and leave him a bill. But the bill states that no person shall be compelled to produce a private key or make a private key known to any other person in any civil criminal, administrative legislature or other proceeding in the state that relates to a digital asset. Pretty amazing. So while most of the governments of the world are continuing to try to get you to give up all of your privacy, um, all of your ability to have any private property control that, um, in Europe, the ECB and and, and the EU Commission, they're trying to pass legislation to make it where you can't have a private key, where you can't hold your private property in a way that keeps it safe. But here in Wyoming, they're trying to pass a bill that says no government, no state, no court could ever force you to give up your private key. So you can see the difference that we have here. And while I know a lot of you feel that this is a it's a losing battle, that, that uh, like I said, we're all victims here. We're not. It's not over yet. There's still a lot of people fighting the good fight. A couple other things I saw this week were um, we saw that Sam Bankman Freed, Uh, From FTX, he got charged with making uh, 300 illegal political contributions to the tune of tens of millions of dollars. Turns out he got charged with conspiracy. So all you conspiracy theorists, uh, there's actually such a thing as conspiracy. As a matter of fact, there's a law against it. And now, Sam Bankman Fried from FTX has been charged with even more counts of conspiracy for giving money illegally, 12 counts of conspiracy to making 300 political contributions. It'll be interesting to see if they pull those contributions back from the bankruptcy court. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Mark Mosh Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution, talking through some of the latest breaking news headlines this week so you can understand how the world is changing. Now, I got a lot more to talk about on a global stage, some big developments you do not want to miss. I'm going to be right back with that in a minute. So don't go away. I'll be right back. It's that time of year again. The U.S. Mint is making the new 2024 American Silver Eagle and American Gold Eagle coins, and there's no better time to buy than now. Gold rose 23% in the past 13 months, and silver's up 27%. Plus, they're both still climbing. Get the newest gold and silver coins of the year from my trusted friends at Universal Coin and Bullion by calling 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Their company president, Dr. Mike Fulgens, is America's gold expert, and he recently met with financial guru Steve Forbes to discuss trends in Precious metals. And both experts agree that gold could hit 2500 an ounce in 2024. That's nearly a 25% gain from today's price per ounce. If you want to make a sound money investment, then add gold and silver to your portfolio now and keep adding as part of your regular investment strategy. Gold's been used as money for over 2,500 years. Call Universal Coin and Bullion at 1 800 UCB Gold. That's 1 UCB Gold. Or check out
0: universalcoin.com That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply.
1: There's plenty to celebrate in March and expect... Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy, and anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. All
3: right, welcome back. If you just tuned in, you are listening to the Mark Moss Show. We talk about the decentralized revolution, of course, talking about how the world is changing, and we look at it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. And we're running through some of the latest breaking news headlines of the week. And one of the news headlines that we've already been talking about, so it's been going on, it's one of the biggest news stories, is the train derailment that happened in Ohio. Now, I've talked about it before. You know, there's a lot of information that continues to come out. We're still trying to figure out what's going on here. Um, There's lots of wild speculation about what's going on um and then we have some sort of facts and i think it's important to understand i think i think it was uh, last week i framed it up on on the show talking about how really i think a lot of what's going on with train derailments uh, food processing plants blowing up fuel refineries blowing up and things like that uh the faa you know shutting down planes not running on time a lot of it um, you know, it's easy to go conspiratorial here and think that, uh, you know, someone's out to sabotage everything, the government's attacking us or terrorists are attacking it, which which is possible. But it's also possible that a lot of it might just come down to um, aging infrastructure. And as I was framing it up, the age of incompetence. And so we're now at a point where I reported last week, uh, people in Baltimore, uh, I think 26 schools, nobody could pass math. In in, in Chicago, 55 schools, not one single person could pass math or reading. Um, In a lot of these schools today, they're at, um, I saw another report that there really have been no increase in education since the third grade. And so we're at this point where we have this age of incompetence where people are able to pass high school without being able to read or write. And we're no longer advancing people based off of merit, We're now advancing people based off of identity, which obviously is a problem. Should always be the best person for the job. And then on top of that, we're also uh, forcing people to work in areas where maybe they they shouldn't work. And so, um, if I really, really, really want to get this position, uh, like uh, I I heard heard from pilots, for example, and so you know people used to dream of growing up one day and being a pilot, but now because of affirmative action and other identity politics, we're pushing people to become pilots who don't really want to be. And so that's going to lead to mistakes and, and job fatigue and problems. And so there's a lot of that, but really I'll chalk up to the age of incompetence. But going back to this, um, the New York Times, which again, you should always be very suspect of anything, the New York Times, the Washington Post puts out. Um, because they're going to be very, very leaning to one side of the aisle. And, 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 and you should also be very weary or not weary, but at least um, think critically about information you get from information on the other side of the aisle. Remember always trying to um, separate the fact from opinion. But the New York Times put out this piece talking about how the Ohio train, is it really a Chernobyl 2.0? You know, they're talking about how influencers across the political uh, spectrum have basically overblown um, how bad this could be. Now, we do know there was a controlled burn of toxic materials. We do know that filled the air. We do see the pictures that is like this giant plume of black smoke. We do know that it's um, spread to Canada and New York. So th- those, are, those are facts, right? We do know that um, water and soil got covered with those chemicals. We do know that lots of animals and fish have died. So we do know that. That's all fact. Now, how bad is it? Well, that's where we have to kind of go towards some speculation. We do know the facts. We won't know a lot of the fact of how bad it is until later. But what the New York Times is saying is, of course, <laughs> uh, right-wing commentators have been particularly critical. Right-wing Again, what's up with the labels? Some people, how about, how about some people have been critical? Uh, they've been critical um, using the crisis to sow distrust about government agencies and suggest that the damage could be repairable. I would like to say that right wing commentators are not using this to sow distrust about the government. I would say the government sows its own distrust. So when the government continually lies to you, us, when the government continually censors and silences people that want to have information on another side of the aisle, when the government stops all open and honest dialogue and debate, that's what sows distrust. I've used the example many times. If I was laying, laying in bed late at night on uh, texting somebody and my wife looks over and says, hey, who are you texting? And I was like, oh, nobody. Nobody, no, nobody don't worry about it. Like she would start to have s- seeds of distrust. Who's he talking about? Who's he talking to? What's going on? Or if I just gave transparency and I said, oh, it's my mom. She wants to plan a birthday this weekend. Um, She'd be like, oh, okay, great. And so the way that you uh, defeat the seeds of distrust is by... Being transparent, by being truthful, by not lying over and over and over, by admitting when you've made a mistake—that's how you you prevent seas of distrust. So it's not right wing commentators that are doing that. It's the fact that we've been continually lied to. Now we do know um, that the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency and state officials have acknowledged the situation is disastrous in many ways. We do know that. Um, We do know that the air quality was not safe at some point. The EPA says it is safe now. But the problem is, like I said, they're the ones that have sowed the seeds of distrust. Now, we can see that people that live in the area are saying that they're getting rashes, they're getting headaches, they're getting other symptoms that could be tied to that. Um, they, you know, some of them have returned to their homes and now they're seeing these, these these types of things. And so this is, this is true. And we do know that people should be taking this, their, their health way more seriously than most people have. And so if I lived in an area, I maybe wouldn't want to move back home. We also do know that other places like Cincinnati, for example, has cut off its drinking water from the Ohio river because of the train derailment and the contamination. Now, they, they believe, it says, quote, believe that low levels of butyl acrylate seeped into the Ohio River through a small creek about 300 miles north of Cincinnati, and so they have shut off water. Now, again, um, are we overblowing this? We don't know, but if a town has literally cut off their water because they're afraid of this, well, I don't know if we're overblowing that. That's a pretty big deal. It says Cincinnati's drinking water will be, will, water intake will, will be closed sometime before the contamination is expected to reach the area Uh, the river area. So we do know that they're expecting to travel down the river and they are going to shut that off. Now, one thing I did learn, and so let me just, uh, give you another perspective, uh, that maybe the right wing, (laughs) whoever these right wing influencers commentators are. Um, one thing I looked up is that, um, you know, while this train accident appears to be very, very bad, um, I didn't know, but I'm aware of now that we have lots of train derailments every day in the United States. As a matter of fact, we average three train derailments a day, a day. And so when you hear about, oh my gosh, why is there no one talking about this? Well, there's three a day. Are they talking about three a day? So then I have to ask myself, well, is it because of social media we just hear about it more often? Um, obviously, we have train der- Trained derailments every day? Or is it that we're having more train derailments that are really bad? And to answer that question, I saw this report that says kinetic attacks on US power grids spiked 71% in 2022. So what we're seeing is we are having fires in refineries, we are having trains derailed, we are having those things. But those types of things happened Quite often, but are we having more train incidents that have strategic or really bad stuff, like we saw another one um, overturned with coal? So are we seeing more strategic stuff happening? And according to this, um, that seems to be the case. Um, there's been uh, US. power grid attacks have spiked almost doubled in the previous year. Duke Energy of Florida experienced several substation intrusion events in September, um, sabotaging equipment that resulted in a nine minute long outage. Central Oregon Daily said one of their power substations was attacked on November 24th. In December, vandals attacked substations in Moore County, North Carolina with gunfire, leaving 45,000 people without power. Four substations in Washington were attacked on Christmas Day. 17,000 people lost power. Earlier this month, a Florida man um, and a Maryland woman were charged with a conspiracy to attack a Maryland power grid. Um, There are at least 108 human-related events reported during the first eight months of 2022. And so we can see that it does seem that there are attacks happening in this. And so we do need to be uh, aware of this. And we should be able to trust our government with more. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show talking about some of the latest breaking news headlines that happened this week in regards to the decentralized revolution. I got more stories to run through that you don't want to miss. So I'm going to be back with more in a minute. Don't go away. I'm going to be right back. It's that time of year again. The U.S. Mint is making the new 2024 American Silver Eagle and American Gold Eagle coins, and there's no better time to buy than now. Gold rose 23% in the past 13 months, and silver's up 27%. Plus, they're both still climbing. Get the newest gold and silver coins of the year from my trusted friends at Universal Coin and Bullion by calling 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Their company president, Dr. Mike Fulgens, is America's gold expert, and he recently met with financial guru Steve Forbes to discuss trends in Precious metals. And both experts agree that gold could hit 2500 an ounce in 2024. That's nearly a 25% gain from today's price per ounce. If you want to make a sound money investment, then add gold and silver to your portfolio now and keep adding as part of your regular investment strategy. Gold's been used as money for over 2,500 years. Call Universal Coin and Bullion at 1 800 UCB Gold. That's 1 UCB Gold. Or check out universalcoin.com
2: Take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic, oracle.com slash strategic.
1: All
3: right, welcome back. If you just tuned in, you were listening to the Mark Ma Show talking about, of course, the decentralized revolution, looking at it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. And we're running through some of the latest breaking news of this week. Now, I just covered a story uh, before. If you just tuned in, you missed it. But don't worry, you can catch me on the podcast uh, on demand. Just search the Mark Moss Show on your favorite podcast player or the Market Disruptors YouTube channel. Just search Market Disruptors on YouTube. Now, uh, I was talking about the train that derailed in Ohio and of course, that's not late breaking news, but we're talking about the development of that. And I also want to talk about another big story that continues to be developed, and that is this Chinese spy balloons. Um, now, I've talked about this already, on, uh, like I said before, um, so it's not breaking news, but I wanted to talk about it because we have more information coming in. Now, there's there's a lot of... Uh, Fear mongering and war mongering going on regarding the balloon I had talked about before, and I kind of posed the question before: Why do they want us talking about the balloon? Like, what is going on there? What's this intention? What are they trying to get from us? And so, if we if we look into this a little bit further, maybe this helps us answer that question, which we'll come back to. But what it looks like is that um, there were four balloons that were shot down, and the first one um, appears to be a Chinese balloon. And we know that the balloon supposedly lingered over, um, you know, or flew over a couple of uh, Air Force bases. Um, It flew over, you know, our Air Force bases that had our intercontinental ballistic missiles. It also passed by some nuclear capable um, bomber fleets, um, things like that. And they say that this path suggests that China is gathering intelligence for either maybe a first or second strike of, of America's nuclear weapons. We can also see that, so maybe they're trying to spy on us, Um, but is that really what they're doing? So we we can see that now they're saying that the spy balloon is now beginning of a nuclear fear campaign from China. So they're saying that uh, maybe they're trying to scare us that there's going to be this nuclear attack Um, and and they can, you know, now they have access to all this information. Um, Now we need to, you know, be prepared to go to war with China and things like that. But if we look at there's a there's some other stuff that shows shows that maybe that first balloon was China's maybe it was a weather balloon maybe it was a spy balloon uh, but the other three that were shot down were not. And as a matter of fact, the other three that were shot down appear to not be Chinese and might have even been from the United States itself. And they were just weather balloons. Um, Edward Snowden, who is the you know, kind of infamous whistleblower, NSA whistleblower, he says the hysteria over these balloons being shot down um, uh, uh, over America and Canada is a distraction from the story that Seymour Hersh broke about the U.S. being responsible for blowing up the Nord Stream pipeline. So again, why do they want us focusing on these balloons? One of them might have been a Chinese balloon. Maybe it was a spy balloon. Maybe it was a weather balloon. We know the other three most likely weren't, and they might have even been American weather balloons. So why do they want us focused on that? And so it's sort of like this magic trick, you know, sleight of hand, look over here while we do something over there. And so What what was going on that they don't want us to look at? That's one question to ask. You know, Bloomberg reported the U.S. government has assessed that three unidentified objects down since last Friday were likely for commercial use and not foreign intelligence gathering. Now, as best as I can tell um, through the research that I've done trying to make sense of this situation, China has over 300 satellites in orbit. And with those satellites, they could read the text on a gravestone. They can listen to conversations. They might be listening to me recording this conversation right now. And so if they have 300 satellites, they're already capable of reading text on a tombstone and listening to conversations. Why do they need to fly a weather balloon? Hmm. That'd be a good question. Uh, why would they need to file, do, do, use a weather balloon if they already have everything they need? Now, there there could be maybe it was a test run. Maybe they want to try to put you know some sort of like an EMP into a weather balloon and detonate it, or you know some some chemicals and detonate and let it let it rain down across. I mean, maybe maybe, maybe that's the case. I don't know the answer, but what I do think about is why does the government all want us thinking about this balloon? So, like I said. Edward Snowden says maybe to um, cover up for the, the the story that said that U.S. is responsible for the Nord Stream Pipeline. As a matter of fact, there's more information coming out. Um, I saw a story today saying that uh, I believe it was this Sweden released a report that basically says that they've kind of come to the same conclusion as well. Of course, uh, anybody with a critical rational mind might draw their that conclusion themselves as well. Um, so maybe that was it, or maybe it's because they want us thinking that China is spying on us, that China is trying to attack us or get or get ready for an attack, so that they can get the people the american people um sentiment to shift towards China. Not like China. And so that the government, the US government, could then um, get ready for a war with China, could use uh, that to sanction more against China. So, for example, we saw more sanctions going through today um, or this week that could potentially limit all investments into China. And so, if you're invested into China, you may have trouble getting your money back out. If you have money in China, I'd probably be pulling that money out of China. But it also, in retaliation, now China is now sort of financially attacking the United States. And so now they're saying no um, Chinese corporations can use the big four accounting firms anymore, which could be billions of dollars of of economic loss. And so maybe they're trying to get the American sentiment behind this, so we can get behind that. Uh, We don't know. But the question is, Why are we shooting down our own balloons? Why are we making this big deal about this now? Why are we making a big deal about one balloon when they have the satellites to already see everything? Why are we making a big deal about one balloon when they have bought up all our farmland, when they've um, bought land next to our strategic military bases, when they uh, continue to flood our borders with fentanyl, uh, which is a mass casualty attack? Like, why are we worried? Why are we not worried about that? But now all of a sudden, we want to be worried about a balloon. It's an interesting point to make. And again, we need to be where they want us to be geared up for this war with China, because China is actively attacking the United States. As a matter of fact, they're attacking us from many ways, uh, including with the dollar. And so we, what we can see is that China has gone around trying to crush the dollar's demand. Um, they're now using their yuan in trade with uh, Iraq. The Iraqi central bank announced Wednesday that for the first time it plans to allow trade with China to be settled directly in yuan instead of the US dollar. Hmm. We know that uh, Chinese currency would boost the balances of Iraqi banks with accounts with Chinese banks. Uh, we see that uh, China has also done this with Iran. Uh, they've done it with India. They're doing it with Russia. And so we can see that now um, Russia has now has now basically moved their foreign reserves to the to the yuan. I believe seventeen percent of their central bank holdings are now in yuan. And so we can see that there's this attack that's happening, and it's coming from all sides. Uh, they've gone around and made long-term strategic buys on all the core commodities. So they've been locked up natural gas in long-term contracts, oil in long-term contracts, um, minerals, metals in long-term contracts, gold, nickel, um, palladium, et cetera. And they're basically taking all of this off of the market, cornering the market, if you will. Um, and then working with these countries to take oil uh, and stuff in yuan, and then starting to switch all these other currencies or or uh, governments of the world to move into a digital yuan, or not a digital, but into a yuan-denominated uh, system. Now, what comes next is a digital yuan system or CBDC system that then could bypass the entire uh, Fed banking, Fed wire, and SWIFT Monetary system, the dollar, the dollar at its core is a payment network, and they can set up their own payment network. And so, maybe, just maybe, all of this stuff about the balloon is a big distraction to get—not a distraction, but is used to get our sentiment to ready, be ready to go to war with China. But that's just maybe my own assumption. I'd love to hear what you have to say. Hit me up on social media at one Mark Moss. If you just tuned in, you're listening to the Mark Moss Show, We're running through some of the latest breaking news headlines this week for the decentralized revolution. And that's what we got. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.